Life is challenging when our expectations aren't met or when we're surprised by something. I was surprised this week when the air conditioning people told us that our air conditioners were frozen. Hottest week of the year. Somehow our air conditioners are frozen. I'm not sure how that works, but you know, I'll learn. So uh, we'd like to let you know that we've gotten each of you a free gift here at Christ Community this morning. Uh, your bulletin actually doubles as a fan. It's, a, it's amazing. We're just the generosity of gifts here. Uh, so, but uh, no, we're glad you're here this morning. And um, we do want to maybe think about how we respond in those moments where uh, the Lord surprises us, where we're not expecting him to maybe blindside us with something. Uh, those precious moments where maybe we realize that God is calling us to, to do something or to be something uh, more than what we ever could have thought or asked or imagined. And so uh, we're going to do that in the context of Romans chapter 10. If you've got a Bible, I want to encourage you to find that. If you, uh, if you don't, you can use your smartphone and uh, find us in the Bible app. Um, and we've got notes to our sermon in there. Uh, you go to the events tab and, and find Christ Community Church. But last week we, um, man, last week we started in Romans 10. We, we went through the first 13 verses, and, and we were challenged to give the Lord our heart, to, to just give the Lord our heart. And that was a tough challenge because we realized that in doing that, we were going to let go of a lot of other things. And, um, and it was great to just celebrate and pray with uh, those who, who were saying, yeah, I, I need to do that. I need to give the Lord my heart. And so we're going to pick up um, on the, the back half of that chapter in Romans 10 and verse 14 through 21. And we're going to see kind of what happens when we give the Lord our heart because he made this huge promise, right? God, God makes a ginormous promise at the end of that first section of, of chapter 10. And he says, everyone that calls in the name of the Lord will be saved. That's, that's a big promise, that everyone who calls in the name of the Lord will be saved. And, and, and so there comes this question, can he deliver? And if so, how? How is the Lord going to deliver on this ginormous promise that everyone who calls on his name will be saved? This week I ordered uh, on Amazon a book, actually two books, the same book. And, of course, I used prime shipping. Two days. I ordered it on Tuesday. I still don't have my books. Isn't it funny that I get irritated by that now? A few years ago, we didn't even have Amazon. Nonetheless, two-day shipping. And now I'm frustrated that I ordered my books on Tuesday, and they're not here. They're not, they're, I'm, I'm tracking them, of course. Amazon, where are my books? And they're supposed to show up tomorrow. Uh, so... That was only made worse by an article that I had recently read about Amazon. And that was that in the first quarter of 2019, Amazon cleared, after their expenses, cleared $3.6 billion in a quarter. That's crazy. That's crazy. And of that $3.6 billion that they made in the first quarter of 2019, they committed $800 million dollars. $800 million to turning two-day shipping into one-day shipping. And I'm sitting over here thinking, I can't even get my two books in two days. What, what are we doing with this $800 billion? I mean, what is going on? My expectations are not met. And at the same time, I'm thinking about the, these leaders at Amazon 
And the huge, like, I don't even have a, a space in my brain for an $800 million risk. Hey, guys, let's invest $800 million and see if maybe, perhaps, we could figure out how to ship things in one day instead of two. Like, that's crazy. What if it doesn't work? One day shipping is a huge promise. And so, too, is the promise that we see in Scripture, Romans chapter 10, that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. It's a huge promise. How is the Lord going to deliver on that promise? That everyone who calls on his name will be saved. Here comes the blind side. It involves you. It's going to involve you. Let's dig into this text today, beginning in verses 14 and 15. It says this, How then, right? Paul's asking the same question we are. How then can they call on him they have not believed in? And how can they believe without hearing about him? And how can they hear without a preacher? And how can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Now, maybe you're like me, and those are like words, and that's great, but you're a visual person. So I'm a visual person, and I realize that Paul is trying to show us something through this list of questions. So, you know, let's go to, let's go to the, the whiteboard here. All right, so everyone who calls in the name of the Lord will be saved. We've got that up at the top, right? But then he begins to ask this series of questions. Well, how can they call in the name of the Lord to be saved if they've not believed? All right, so, so we, we work backwards, and, we, and they've got to believe. And, and then he says, well, how, how would they do that if, if they haven't heard? And, and how can they hear if someone's not preaching to them? And how can, they, can they, can they, how can someone preach if they haven't been sent to preach? Right? And so we, we understand all this list of questions, but then there's this, there's this really tricky thing. There's this really tricky thing that when we're saved, we're sent. And for whatever reason, like, like last week, you might have been here, you might not have. Maybe you can remember the, the day and the time when, when someone first preached to you the good news and you heard it and you believed and you made a decision to be saved. But for whatever reason, that arrow between being saved and being sent, it takes a, it's like a really long time sometimes. It's like there's a cog in the wheel. There's a cog in the process. How do we, how do we go from being saved to being sent? We really struggle with this. Heads up, today, I'm going to ask you to ask God, where am I sent? Where am I sent? And if he answers you today, he, he will answer you, but it just may not be today. But if he answers you today, I'm going to ask you to have the courage to come forward and celebrate that with us and, and begin to think about how you're going to walk in this calling of being sent that the Lord has placed on your life. But the question might be the same question that the Amazon executives are trying to ask. How do we end up with, a, with such a big gap between being saved and being sent? And what are we going to do to close that gap? How are we going to get from two-day shipping to one-day shipping of the gospel of Jesus Christ? Paul gives us this answer, but then he recognizes that there's some problems. So in, in this passage here in Romans, we, we need to think about the context of the passage. Paul is writing in Romans chapter 10 about the Israelite people. He's burdened that his people, the people that he comes from, Israelites, they were the ones that brought forth Jesus like he was a, a Jew, he was an Israelite, and yet 
they were struggling to, to see and to recognize that Jesus was the Messiah. He was the one that saved them. And if they would call on his name, they would be saved. And because there was that gap, they weren't being sent. Israel was God's chosen people. They were his chosen people. Surely they would be the ones that would tell the entire world about the salvation that only comes through Jesus. But someone, someone being the Israelites, got cold feet. They got cold feet. Verse 16 says this, But not all obeyed the gospel. We can like run through that a lot of times when we're just reading through something. But not all obeyed the gospel. I would challenge us, I would challenge myself to just think like, am I obeying the gospel? If the Lord has saved me, and I know if I'm saved, I'm sent, like, am I obeying the gospel? Am I doing what the Lord has asked of me? For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our message? Who has believed our message? So there's a couple of places that Isaiah or that Paul begins to point out in this passage that where our cold feet come from. The first place is that cold feet come from closed ears. Cold feet come from closed ears. Verse 18 says this, But I ask, did they not hear? Paul asks the logical question, like, maybe these Israelite people didn't hear that Jesus was the Messiah. Maybe, they, they, like, maybe no one told them that Jesus was the Messiah. But Paul answers his own question. He said, yes, they did. And he, he quotes scripture from the Old Testament. Their voice has gone out to the whole earth and their words to the end of the world. This is a reference, if you go back and read the passage, to the beauty of creation that's in the sky. You, you look up. You, you look long. Uh, these, these skies, they may not speak words, but the message is clear that there's something more, that God is real. And what he's saying is there's enough context clues to give this a shot. You've heard. You just don't want to hear. We all know the difference in that, right? When we've heard but we don't want to hear, it's like sometimes you tell your child to do something and you realize they've left the room and they actually didn't hear you. And then sometimes you tell your child to do something and their automatic response as they stand two feet away of, I didn't hear you, what? Uncovers the truth quickly. No, you heard me. I know that you heard me. There's a difference between not hearing and not wanting to hear. And so I ask us, how many times have we been standing in the room with Jesus when he clearly, clearly tells us what he wants us to do and our automatic response is, I didn't quite hear you, what? I didn't quite hear you. Could you say it again, Lord? Could you affirm it like six more times before I go and do what you've asked me to do? Maybe some of us don't struggle to obey. Maybe we don't get cold feet from closed ears. Maybe this isn't you at all. You're like, if I hear it, I can go. I'm, I'm good. But there's another place that we get cold feet, and we get cold feet from, from closed eyes. He writes in 19 and 20, but I ask, he asked another question, did Israel not understand? So, so maybe they heard the gospel, maybe they heard about Jesus, but maybe they just didn't really understand what this whole Jesus thing was about. They didn't understand who Jesus was, that he was both God and man, that he was the Messiah come to save them. Well, Paul says, well, first Moses said, I will make you jealous of those who are not a nation. I will make you angry by a nation that lacks understanding. And so in other words, he's, he's quoting a passage that, that God says to the Israelite people, listen, I know that you understand because I showed you through what I was doing in the nations around you. And he continues in verse 20. He says, and Isaiah says boldly, another quote, I was found by those who were not looking for me. I revealed myself to those who were not asking for me. 
He says, in other words, you have no excuse. Like, you understand. You understood perfectly when it didn't work out for you, is what he's saying. People who weren't even trying to find me found me because, oh yeah, I'm God and I reveal myself. What he's saying is that your lack of understanding isn't because you can't understand, it's because you don't want to. It's the same problem as the hearing, right? I can remember as a kid, my knowledge of what I learned in school went way down whenever my parents mandated homework time. Maybe this has happened to you too. All of a sudden, I didn't know how to do that chemistry problem when mom said, it's time to do your chemistry homework. Mom, I don't know how. I, don't, I didn't understand the teacher. I understood him perfectly, right? I wasn't sure what was expected of me on that book review. I wasn't, it was much easier to not know in those moments where I would rather be outside or watching TV or just about anything other than doing the homework that was assigned to me. You know, for many of us, we go through seasons in our life where we know that Jesus has saved us to send us. We know like, like when I say that earlier, that, that Jesus wants to use you in his plan to save others, we know that that's true, but it's a whole lot easier to close our eyes and to not know and to get cold feet than it is to simply obey the gospel call. Over the last few weeks, uh, as it's gotten hotter, I've gotten some pool time with our kids. I, I, I love it. I love it. And these days, uh, I'm pretty much relegated to throwing them around the pool and watching my back as they try to take me down. But in the not-so-distant past were the days where I was just trying to get them to jump in the water for the first time. Maybe, maybe you've been there. Maybe you can remember what it was like. Kids, young kids are so excited to swim. And it's this huge process, right? It's like, okay, we're going swimming. All right, first, we got to find the swimmy diaper. You know, you like scrunch the swimmy diaper on, and then you get the swimsuit yanked over their head, and then you get the sunscreen out, and you're lathering them up, and then like you've got them ready, and you realize that you're not anywhere close to ready, and you're going to have to leave them alone for a moment, and that's just terrifying. And so you run really quickly, and you put your swimsuit on, like we're going swimming. And we get out to the pool, right? And I, I, I would hop in the water, and I get to the water, and I come around, and they're standing on the edge of the pool. You're like, all right, jump. Mm-mm. No, it, it's, it's okay. Daddy's got you. Just, just jump. Mm-mm. And then you're like, daggone it. I did not spend all that time getting you ready for me to get in the water and to watch you stand on the edge of the pool. Jump! Mm-mm. Nope. Not happening. And then, you know, then like the other parents like handing them into the water and they're like, they have this miraculous thing where they can like crawl backwards through the air and, you know, you're trying to get them in the water and they're like, just jump in the water, like get in the water. Nope. All that work, getting ready and no jump. All that time and we're spending two minutes in the water before tears fall, right? It's like, okay, it's time to get out. Like, I'm just, I'm just done. Like, we got, we got the feet in the water. Maybe next time we'll get to the knees. I don't know, you know, like. It's so frustrating. Cold feet caused by our closed ears and our closed eyes. And I think about that in context of this passage, and I think about that in relation to to how we relate to the gospel and and our obedience uh, as those who are saved to be sent. And I read verse 21. I love this. But to Israel, he says, All day long, 
I have held out my hands to a disobedient and defiant people. Can you see it? Do you catch the beauty of of the gospel in this passage? Jesus would stand in the water waiting all day on me. He'd get sunburnt and have tired arms. He'd have untiring patience and waiting for me. That's how much He loves us. That's how much He... He wouldn't get frustrated all the time He'd spent getting me ready to jump and then for me to not jump. Like he, It makes no sense. This is grace. Jesus, just move on. I'm not jumping. I'm not doing that, Jesus. But all day long, He says, I've held out my hands to a disobedient and defiant people. Wow. People that wouldn't do what I asked them to do. People that knew what they were supposed to do and chose to do exactly the opposite. Disobedient, defiant. I've held out my arms all day long wanting to show you that if you'll just jump in my arms is the best place that you can be. You see, what the Gospel tells us, what it teaches us, what it reminds us is that we get Jesus after the jump. We get Jesus after the jump. We get life. We get joy. We get peace. We get purpose. We get guidance. We get the embrace of our Creator. We get Jesus after the jump. But the best thing, the best thing is, is that when we jump in and we we fall into His arms, we realize that He was there in every moment leading up to the jump. He was the one preparing us, putting on our swim diapers when we learn how to swim as a baby Christian, getting us in the right clothes, protecting us with sunscreen, and leading us to the point where we could jump with all freedom and say, yes, Jesus, I want you, and I know that I get you after the jump. We get Jesus after the jump, but he's been with us the whole time. You know, I think all of us as Christians, maybe as non-Christians, like we wrestle I hope we wrestle with whether or not we're making the jump. For some of us, that means wrestling with where we're sent. For for others of us, we're wrestling with whether or not we even want to make the jump to be saved by Him. Do I really believe this is true? This week, uh, I listen to a lot of podcasts. And this week, I was listening to a podcast by uh, a guy named Herschel York. Herschel York is a pastor at Buckram Baptist just down the road in Frankfurt, um, a well-known pastor kind of in Baptist circles. And he and his wife did a podcast. And uh, I wanted to, like, I just couldn't help but share this story that they shared together um, on their podcast as they talked about praying for and seeing the salvation of Herschel's wife, Tanya's dad. So uh, settle in, listen in, check it out. We get Jesus after the jump, amen? We get Jesus after the jump. You know, as we think about the whiteboard that I showed earlier, some of you need to make the jump to be saved. For the first time, maybe the Lord has made clear, He's helped you to hear and understand and believe that Jesus is your Savior. That He is, you know, and and what she said, that's the only word that matters. And if you think that might be, you get ready. I'm going to ask you here in just a couple minutes to jump out of your chair and and join me down front. But for others, you're standing at the edge of the pool saying, I know I'm saved, but I don't really want to be set. Can't hear you, Lord. Can't Can't see you. I don't want to be sent. I don't want to jump off of that next diving board. But the reality is, is you are sent by the good news 
to bring the good news. We go back to verse 15. How can they preach unless they're sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. I love that image, just thinking about the feet. Like in Bible times, feet were nasty. Walking through the desert and the sand and like, those are beautiful feet that you got coming in here and preaching to me, you know? I think about the feet of somebody who's walking around the pool and they're all skinned up, right? Like there's, there's so much to that image that, man, we don't have to be perfect to be sent. We just have to hear the Lord, know the Lord, and let him tell us where, he's, where we're going to go. God saves you to send you. The question shouldn't be whether you go, it's where you will go. And so I want to think about that for just a few moments uh, by first asking the question, what's sending you? Like, why would I, like, why do I really want to engage this? Why do I serve or do ministry or share Jesus with others? And there's a lot of reasons that, that we might give that I, I want us to see are, yes, part of it, but not the whole thing. So the first is, like, some people are like, well, we're sent because that's what Jesus said to do. He commanded it. And that's true. We read this in Matthew 28, verses 19 through 20. Go, therefore, this is Jesus speaking, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I've commanded you. And remember, I'm with you always to the end of the age. He's like, I'm, I'm going because Jesus told me I'm to go. Yes, but rules only get us so far because if you're like me, I break rules all the time. I may know the command, but I struggle to do it. So it's like, yes, this is part of it, but, but there's more because Jesus isn't just this God of rules. Well, why else would he send us? Well, he... he sends us because of the need. Acts 1.8, Jesus is getting ready to go back up into heaven, and he tells his disciples, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Why? Because there's need there. The people in these places haven't heard about Jesus. You say, yes, that's why I'm, I'm going to go because need. Like There are people that haven't heard Jesus to this day. Like There are people that don't even know that name Jesus. They haven't seen it. They wouldn't recognize it as it popped up on the screen. And they need it. You say, well, that's why I'm going, because there's a need. Yes, but we're finite. We're going to get burnt out if we try to meet every need. So, so that, that can't be the sole thing. Like, we're commanded. There's a need. Well, like, this is my purpose. Yes, it is our purpose. We read this in Ephesians 2.10. It says, for we are his, God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared ahead of time for us to do. Like, it is your purpose in life to go and be sent and to tell others about Jesus. That is your purpose. But this too has a, like an underbelly because so many times we can take this and we can be like, if I just do a bunch of good things, then I can guarantee my salvation. It doesn't work that way either. You can only get to do these things because of grace. And so we see these command, the command, the need, the purpose. Like, yes, those are all reasons we might go, but they can't be the sole reason that, that we would we'd give our lives to, to ministry. We would become a missionary. Why, why would we do that? You are sent by the good news to bring the good news. You see, we're sent simply by the joy that we find in jumping into Jesus' arms. That's what sends us to tell someone else about that joy. No one tells someone else to jump in the pool because their dad told them to, or because they need more people in the pool, or because you are made to swim. That's your purpose in life. No one does that. All those things may be true, but you jump because you love and trust the one who's going to catch you. That's why you jump. And that's why you go. 
No one makes you tell someone how good Chick-fil-A is. You do it because you love it, because the people at Chick-fil-A loved you, right? No one makes you tell someone how amazing Disney is. They do it because they were amazed by what happened to Disney. Runners can quit trying to convince me to take up running because apparently they love it and they think that they should recruit other people to do it like me. But no, that's not for me. The Lord has not sent me to run. In the same way, right? No one, no one makes you tell someone how good Jesus is. No one makes you tell someone how amazing Jesus is. You do it because Jesus has shown you how good he is. You do it because he has already amazed you. You tell someone to make the jump because you've already jumped. And you know how good it is to get Jesus after you jump. So where are you sent? I told you at the beginning I wanted you to ask this question of the Lord today. God, where are you sending me? God has been writing your story in order to send you to one of these places that we're going to talk about. He's been writing your story for such a time as this. He has been preparing your feet, no matter how ugly they are, to be sent to these places. It begins with one. One person. What do I say to that one person? You say whatever it is that Jesus has done for you. You tell them that Jesus loves you. And they're like, how do you know that Jesus loves me? You don't know my story. Well, I know that Jesus loves you because I know that Jesus loves me. And so I would encourage you, if nothing else today, get one specific person in your mind. Lord, who is that one person that you are sending me to? And maybe, like we heard Herschel and his wife Tanya talk about, you begin to scheme for their salvation. You long for it. You do things specifically to get them in positions where you can tell them the story of Jesus. Because Jesus is that good. He is that good that you want that person to have Jesus. From one, he might be sending you to your circle. He might be sending you to your circle. You're like, Blake, I have no idea what that looks like. I have no idea what, what like, how do I reach my circle of people for the gospel? I, I, I do not know. Great. So many of us don't either. But I'm going to ask you today to respond and say, you know what? I want to reach my circle of people. Here's one way that we want to help you do that at Christ Community. It's not the only way, but it's a way that we believe in because we've seen it work. Kenny, who you saw just a little bit earlier, he leads our community group ministry. And this fall, beginning after Labor Day, we're going to be doing a series specifically about people finding their place in God's kingdom. And we're going to make it in such a way that, and we're going to walk with people that, that we feel like the Lord is calling right now, right here today, to reach their circle. And so I would just, I would love if you would say, I have no idea if I have what it takes, but I'm going to go ask Kenny today how God might use me to reach my circle through a community group. I'm committing right here in this place to reach my circle of people, and I'm going to start that conversation with him. I don't even know what's going to require of me yet, because it's going to be different for all of us. The Lord's going to inevitably ask us to lay some things down, but I'm, I'm committing because I believe that's what the Lord is calling me to. The Lord has sent me to my circle of people to share the good news with them. 
I believe that not only is God sending people in this place to one, to their circles, but also to communities, to a community. This might look like a church plant that Christ Community continues to sponsor. This might look like starting a mercy ministry, like some of our partners. Maybe God has, has birthed inside of you a passion around a certain thing or a certain need that you feel like you are perfectly equipped to meet. Maybe you don't even feel equipped to meet, but you're just burdened by it. I think about Kentucky Changers. I think about the ministry they're doing, and I think about how we can help do that in other communities. And if this is where you feel like God's calling you, maybe you don't know exactly what it looks like, but you, you sense that the Lord is calling you to a little bit something more than your circle. Like, okay, maybe there's a community that the Lord's calling me to. Here's what I want to encourage you to do. I want to encourage you to ask this question. How can I make my life more mobile so that I'm ready if he calls me? How can I begin to put my life in a position where when the Lord says, this is what I want you to do, I can do it? How can I think about what that looks like financially? Can I get out of debt? And today, what the Lord might be doing is saying, I'm calling you to a community that you don't even know yet, but you know that the first step is for you to get out of debt. It might be that you need to look at your schedule and say, here's the things in my schedule that are really about me and not about what the Lord's calling me to do, and I'm just going to sit those to the side so that I have the space to hear what the Lord wants me to do. Maybe it's something in your lifestyle. But if you feel like the Lord is calling you to, to something that impacts a community, then I'm going to ask you to begin to ask the Lord today, God, what do I need to lay down so that I'm ready to do whatever you're calling me to do? And then last but not least, I, I talked about this last week, I believe that God wants to raise up from this church people to go to the nations, to people groups that have never heard the name of Jesus. Like, I don't even, like, Lord, that's foreign to me. Like, I got kids. I live in Shelbyville, Kentucky. I, like, how could the Lord call me to do that? I don't know, but he does. So what would I encourage you to do if that's, if that's what you feel like the Lord's calling you to? Number one, I would encourage you, start taking mission trips. Like, just go out there and stub your toe, and the more times you stub the toe, the more beautiful your feet are going to be when the Lord has you right where he wants you. We go to Honduras every year. I'm going to show you a short video here in just a minute from an organization called International Mission Board that, that when you give at Christ Community, part of, part of your money goes to support that organization. They're sending thousands of missionaries to people in places that have never heard the name of Jesus, and they've got trips open all the time. In Christ Community, like I know, like Christ Community family, we did a lot of this early on, and then we all had kids, and that's great because that's another way to multiply the mission, let me tell you. But here's the thing we have another responsibility growing up in our homes, and a lot of those kids are beginning to be the age where they don't need to just come to community kids, they need to go on a mission trip with you, they need to see you being sent. They need to see you jumping in after Jesus and saying, I don't know how this is going to work, but we're going to go because that's what it means to be a follower of Christ. Ugh. Makes me anxious, anxious too. All right. Maybe the Lord, inside of all that, when he calls you to a people, it's, it's more than a mission trip. There could be people in this place that are going to move, pick up and move and go to another country and be missionaries in that place. Just last month, this organization that you're going to see a short video from here in a minute, they said in their report 
We have money and resources to send people to places right now, and we don't have enough missionaries in the pipeline. Come on, church. Let's go. Let's go be the beautiful feet of the gospel who bring the good news. Check out this short video, and we'll finish up. Would you ask him with me, God, where am I sent? Where am I sent? Make clear to me that one. Give me a vision for my circle. Show me how I can impact the community. Lord, send me to a people. Would you be bold enough to ask him? You know, right now we sit here in this place and some of you are feeling like you just got blindsided. You had no idea that you were going to show up at a church with no air conditioning. We didn't have a bass in the band today. Like, you know, it's just, I guess just church on July 7th, 2019. And the Lord blindsided you. You had no idea that the Lord was going to call you to be a missionary today. I feel you. <laughs> Fifteen years ago, I just went on a church trip because all my friends were going on a church trip. And then I went to a class because my youth minister was like, hey, I'm going to this class. You should go to this class with me. And I walked out knowing that the Lord had called me to something way more than I was bargaining for. Straight up blindsided me. Whiplash and all the whole nine yards. I had my life planned out, and the Lord had other plans. Maybe he's done that for you today. If you're feeling blindsided, can I just remind you that he is standing in protection of you, holding out his hands, waiting on you to jump in. And he's saying, jump, jump. You get Jesus after the jump. You get Jesus after the jump. Just jump. So today, if you're willing to jump, if you're, if you're just going to say yes, yes, I need your grace. I'm, I need to make the jump of being saved. Like, I want to be in the arms of Jesus. I want to invite you as we sing to come down here to the front row with me. Maybe you're saying, yes, I know the one person that you're sending me to. I, I know that one person. Then don't let that moment get by you. Write it down. Tell your spouse that you're sitting with. Tell your friend, like, whatever. Like, I know. Maybe you say, yes, I feel you calling me to reach my circle of people. I don't know what it means to be a community group leader, but I'm, I'm saying yes. Like, Lord, help me figure out what that looks like. Kenny's going to be in starting point after church today, if that's you. Maybe you sense God calling you to reach a community of people. And even if you don't know who that community is, or what that means or what that looks like, I want to encourage you to, to come and celebrate that with us. Come, come join us down here, and let's pray over that together. And the same thing, maybe God is calling you to go to the nations, to the people who've never heard the name of Jesus. Would you come, would you, like, would you just <laughs> and give your heart to Jesus right here and let him work out the details in your life? That's you. We'd love to just celebrate and, and pray with you through that this morning. And for all of us who have been baptized, who have given our lives to Christ, may communion be a joyful reminder of the good news that not only sins, saves you, but sends you. 
It's the good news that says Jesus' body was beaten and his blood was spilled out to forgive you. And when you take the piece of bread and you dip it in the juice, you're reminded of that truth, that he did that for you so that you could jump into his arms. He did it to buy you back from sin's grip on your life, to give you a hope and a future and a purpose. And now he's asking you to go. Would you respond with us this morning? Be courageous. Obey the gospel knowing that the Lord is going to save you and then he's going to send you. Would you pray with me? Holy Spirit, we just ask that you would uh, reign in this place, in this moment. We pray that you would make the gospel clear in the hearts and minds of all who are gathered here today. We pray that the gospel is clear both in terms of how it saves us, but also how it sends us. And God, we pray that you would uh, that you would just give us each courage to respond as you have called us to. Father, we also know that, uh, man, you, you just, <laughs> when you speak, you speak clearly. And so I pray against anything that happens in this moment that causes us to, to doubt. I pray that we wouldn't cover our ears or cover our eyes to what you're trying to show us in this moment, but that we would just respond in full faith of what you're going to do in our lives. Jesus, we thank you for being the one to catch us when we jump. We thank you for dying for us so that we could live. We pray all this in your name. Amen.